Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to be today. And we're in a series uh, called Come to the Table. It's about basically meals that Jesus had, things that happened at uh, meals uh, that Jesus had. And all of these are stories from the Gospel of Luke. And we're kind of moving through them in chronological order. Today is the longest story we look, it's the longest story we've looked at thus far. I was going to say it's the longest story of the series. I don't know that for sure because I can never remember what the next week. I just do a week at a time. So uh, it's the longest story of the series thus far. And it's actually three stories in one. So it's uh, something Jesus did, and then he tells two parables. And so if you've got a Bible with you, go to Luke 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's no problem. All of it will be on the screen. And Noah, you're, you're driving this morning, so uh, you can keep up with me. So I'm going to read it in different sections, and we'll talk about each section as we go through. So this is the first six verses of chapter 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus uh, went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering with abnormal swelling of his body. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. So a little context for uh, this story the Pharisees, everybody knows a little bit about the Pharisees, but the Pharisees were rule keepers, and they had all of these rules about what was okay to do and not okay to do on the Sabbath. And the reason was because in the Old Testament law, you were not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so they kind of took it to the next degree and said, well, let's determine what constitutes work and what doesn't constitute work. And one of the things that they felt constituted work was healing on the Sabbath. And I don't know if, it, you know, I was trying to put this in context of like, Did miraculous healings happen all the time on the Sabbath? Like, why did they think this was not allowed? And I would kind of broaden it to say, you couldn't help somebody on the Sabbath. Like, maybe a medical doctor couldn't treat a patient on the Sabbath, if you will, or you couldn't couldn't help, you know, based on the context of what Jesus said in response to them, you know, it, it was about helping other people. And they felt like it was wrong to help other people on the Sabbath. And you kind of feel the tension building early in the story because uh, Luke tells us he was carefully watched. And the reason he was carefully watched is because so far in the Gospel of Luke, four different times, uh, Jesus has taken their rules about the Sabbath and kind of set them aside. And he's trying to teach them something. And so this is the Sabbath again. It's at the home of a Pharisee again. And there's a man in their presence that needs healing. And so there's kind of this anticipated conflict that's coming. And Jesus asked them, you know, you think it's lawful or not to heal on the Sabbath? And they don't say anything. And through the way Luke writes this, you know that, that this is coming. They know he's going to heal the man. And that's exactly what he does. But the reason that they were opposed to this was not just, I thought of it this way. It's not just that that was their opinion, like, well, we just don't think it's a good idea to heal people on the Sabbath. It's because the way they interpreted the scripture forbade them from healing someone on the Sabbath. So it was was their interpretation of scripture that this was wrong. And the way they interpreted it was actually like, hey, you can't help somebody on the Sabbath. You got six other days to help people. On the Sabbath, we're not going to help people. And that's literally the way they put it. If you'll go to, to chapter 13, just right before this, there's another story that takes place. And it's Jesus heals a crippled woman. It says... On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. A woman was there crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She couldn't straighten up. Uh, Jesus saw her and he healed her. It says, verse 13, he put his hands on her immediately. She straightened up and praised God. But look at verse 14. This was the Pharisee's response. 
indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on one of those days, not on the Sabbath. <laughs> that's, that's a weird response, isn't it? I mean, like you read that and go, why do you care? I mean, if somebody's healed, if somebody needs healing, why do you care what day it takes place on? I mean, somebody's healed. Shouldn't you celebrate that Jesus has healed this woman instead of worrying about whether or not he broke one of the rules? So, it, I mean, it's a, like you, you could almost put it this way. They had rules against this sort of thing, and their rules got in the way of their compassion. I could even broaden it a little bit to say their interpretation of the scriptures got in the way of their compassion. Or another way I could say it is their doctrine prevented them from seeing and valuing and, and treating another human being with basic kindness and compassion. Now his response doesn't seem that weird because sometimes we do the same thing. Because sometimes our rules get in the way of our compassion or what we believe about something, what, the way we interpret the scriptures, what our doctrine says about this prevents us from seeing other people as people and, and treating them with basic kindness and basic compassion. The other part of the context here I think that's interesting is in Jesus' day, um, people who were sick it was their fault in some way. So one of the things, so that those two things that were preventing the Pharisees from having compassion on these people that were being healed on the Sabbath. One was their rules didn't allow it. And we, we kind of do the same thing sometimes. But the other was that they thought if somebody was sick, then they must have done something to deserve it. It must have, it must have been the consequence of some sin. So the, because of their sin, therefore they're sick. And so therefore they didn't have compassion on them because it was their fault. And I was thinking that as I studied this on Wednesday, I'm like, well, thank goodness we don't have that mindset anymore. And then I went to a presentation on Friday. Uh, Sarah Berry was doing it with Murray Regional Medical Center, and it was about patient compassion. And she was talking about some of the barriers that prevent caregivers from giving basic compassion to patients. And one of those is the mindset that somehow this is their fault. And so we still do it, not to the same extent. We wouldn't see a, an abnormal swelling and go, well, they must have sinned and done something to cause this tumor. That, that doesn't happen. But we do say, well, they were a smoker, so what do you expect? I mean, you know, they, or they didn't take care of themselves. They didn't do what the doctor told them to do. So, what do you, you know, they, they didn't ever exercise, and they didn't take care of their body. So what do you, what do you expect? And there's all kinds of categories of people that we do this with. Not just folks that are sick, but, well, they're a felon, so, I mean, that's, they get what they deserve. Or they were driving too fast, or they drank too much, or they were, you know, they, I mean, like, it's, we have this same mindset that, it's, that gives us the, uh, a way out of being compassionate towards other people. So if we think it's their fault, we got a way out of being compassionate towards them. Well, they, they brought it on themselves. And Jesus is, is kind of doing away with that excuse. And the other thing that the Pharisees are doing is Jesus is doing away with the excuse of, well, uh, even if they didn't bring it on themselves, our doctrine doesn't allow us to show compassion. And what Jesus reminds us of again and again, and I think it's one of the reasons that he conflicts with the Pharisees so much on uh, the Sabbath and healings on the Sabbath, is because Jesus is trying to tell us if following the rules becomes more important than showing basic kindness to other human beings, then we're not following the right rules. Okay, if our doctrine becomes 
more important than our compassion, then we're not following the right doctrine. And this was, this was present in other stories. Jesus said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And it was another example of Jesus saying, I desire you to treat, you know, the, the rule of Jesus that Jesus is bringing in is based on love and kindness and, and grace and mercy. And he's comparing this with the Pharisees' rules and the Pharisees' world of rules and, and you know, thinking that they were right by keeping all the right rules. And so Jesus is showing us that um, doctrinal correctness does not trump human kindness. And he, and he says it very clearly. And the Pharisees got the point because you know what it says at the end? They had nothing to say. So they were speechless. They got the point. So if you're following this uh, story, it's Jesus 1, Pharisees 0. <laughs> okay? Story number 2, verse 7. Got to find it. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. And then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So a couple of things on this story. We talked about how these meals worked. So people, these were kind of public dinners, public meals, in that you had invited guests who were invited to recline at the table and participate in the discussion, but you had other people who could come in and listen to the discussion. So there was a, there was a literal class of outsiders and insiders present at the meal. But Jesus points out that there is, even among the insiders, there is different classes, and there's different seats of honor among the insiders. So the table might have been in a, in a U-shape or a, maybe even in a kind of a square rectangular shape, and the host of the dinner would have sat at the head of the table, and the seats closest to the host were reserved for those. That was the highest honor. So the most important people got the seats closest to the host, and the further you sat away from the host, the, the least honorable places or least desirable places. And the honorable people the more important people showed up the latest. And so what Jesus is describing is a very real situation. Like this could easily happen, what he's describing. Uh, the closest parallel I could come, because I was trying to think like what, what's the parallel in modern society today, and I was, I was really struggling to come up with one. The best I could come is if you've ever been to a Major League Baseball game and you bought the cheap seat, cheap seats. I almost really made a bad mistake. Um, you bought the cheap seats. So that's why we send the kids out of the room. Uh, so if you've ever been to a, to a Major League Baseball game and, and you bought you know, the cheap ones and you look down and field level, which is the seat of honor, right? I mean, it's got the backrest and it's got the armrest and sometimes they have their own concession stand. I mean, that's the seat of honor. And you're like, 
well, why don't I go sit in the seat of honor? I'm, I didn't purchase this, and I'm not worthy of that seat, but nobody's sitting in that seat, so I'll go take the seat of honor. So you go down and sit in the seat of honor, but then the person who could afford the seat of honor shows up with the ticket, and the usher comes and taps you on the shoulder. This has never happened to me. But the usher, usher comes, taps you on the shoulder, and says, Sir, I need to see your ticket. Is this your seat? And that's embarrassing, right? It's humiliating because everybody sees you walking out of the club level and going back to your seat. Um, that's what Jesus is saying. It's like, don't do that. When you show up at a party, uh, don't try to put yourself in the most important position. Don't try to take the most important seat. Don't think so highly of yourself that you think you're the most important person at the party. Instead, humble yourself. Because if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. And if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. And what Jesus is doing throughout this dinner is showing how his way is different than the Pharisees' way. Jesus is showing how the kingdom that he is going to usher in looks different than the kingdom that the Pharisees have right now. And he's saying it's not about status, and it's not about pride, and it's not about ego. It's not about who you think you are. It's about humility. It's not about the rules. It's not about, you know, you know, the doctrine and these things. It's about compassion and it's about kindness and it's about love. It's not about doing something, expecting that you're going to get something in return. It's about just serving sacrificially, not expecting anything in return. And again, this, we do the same thing. You know, when he talks about the dinner parties, you know, we invite people to our house that we think are going to invite us back to their house. Or, you know, we, we give to organizations that we think are going to give back to us in some way. A lot of times we serve with the expectation of getting something in return. Right? And one of the things we get now is likes and follows. Because is it possible to have a service project at a church without posting it on Instagram? No, you can't do that. What, what good is that? Right? You know, we, we, so we, when we do something good, we want people to know because we're expecting to get something in return. And Jesus is kind of flipping this whole kingdom on his head. And he said, it's not about status. It's not about ego. It's not about rules. It's not about who's got the best seat. It's not about who's the best person. Give to people that can't repay you. And serve people who maybe don't have the capacity to serve you in return. Be kind to people. This is the hardest one. The hardest one. Be kind to people who may not have the capacity to be kind in return. I don't even like that one. I don't, I don't even know. That wasn't in my notes. I don't even know why I said it. Um, I mean, that's, I mean that's, the kind, that's what Jesus is saying. Like we're, we're flipping around the way that you treat People. This is not the way the Pharisees treated people. This is the way that I'm calling you to treat people. And this is the way my kingdom is going to be different than other kingdoms. And so at this point, it's, it's at least Jesus 2, Pharisees 0. You might say it's Jesus 3, Pharisees 0. Because there's been three confrontations in the dinner thus far. There was the healing before the dinner, which we already knew was controversial because he'd been doing this before. And they, they were watching him. They were waiting on it. So the tension rose when he healed a man on the Sabbath. Then... He called out the guest for the way they chose their seats. I assume they were already sitting in the seat of honor when he said that. So, he, you know, he called them out. And then he called out the host for who he invited to the party. Like, question the intentions of the host. So, to me, the way I read this story is the tensions rising all throughout this dinner. This is a, you've been in these dinners. This is an awkward, uncomfortable dinner where they keep, the Pharisees keep messing up and Jesus keeps calling this. And that's why I find verse 15 the most interesting because it almost sounds like a guy trying to diffuse the situation. So, after Jesus said this to the guest and he said this to the host, verse 15 says, When one of those at the table heard this, heard him say this, he said to Jesus, 
Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. I almost think, like, this is the peacemaker guy. This is the Pharisee who's like, you know, I'm going to agree with Jesus because everybody seems to be against him. So he agrees with the rabbi, and Jesus responds with his most cutting story yet. This is verse 16. Jesus says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, Well, I've just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And I, with apologies to my small group, I'm going to tell you what I thought of when I read this. I thought of our small group text thread. If, you, if you're ever in one of those text threads where you're like, hey, we're going to meet uh, Sunday night at 5 o'clock, see everybody there. And then somebody's like, oh, yeah, we got a birthday party Sunday night. We're not going to be able to make it. Sorry. And then the next person says, oh, well, our grandkids are, are playing in a uh, soccer game uh, at 430. And I don't think we'll be done in time. Sorry, we're not going to be making it. Somebody else says, oh, hey, we're out of town. We're not going to be able to make it. And then everybody else in the text thread is going, Maybe I should come up with an excuse. Do we have something? You know, is there anything that we've got that we need? And it doesn't just happen with small groups. It happens with any kind of thing you're trying to organize. You know, the, the group text thread, when they start dropping, they all start dropping. And that's kind of what I read right here is they all start dropping. And so what we do when people drop, what do we do? All it takes, if, if you've been in one of those, I'm in a... I'm in a book club. That's a story for another time. But, you know, it's the same way. Like, hey, we're going to meet at 5 o'clock at this place. And uh, all it takes is like the first two people say, I can't make it. And then everybody starts going, eh, maybe I can't make it either. And the next thing you know, it's, it's, we're not going to have it, right? It's canceled. In Jesus' story, the man doesn't cancel the party. He takes a different approach. It says, the servant came back and reported to his master, all these folks that couldn't come. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And sir, the servant said, what you've ordered been done, but there's still room. And then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. The reason that I say uh, this is a cutting story is because the Pharisees in this story are the invited guests. Like what Jesus, Jesus doesn't diffuse the tension throughout the meal. It, it actually, the, the tension is climaxed in the, in the meal because the, the Pharisees are the invited guest. They were the ones that had the Old Testament law. They were the first invited to participate in the kingdom of God. But they misunderstood and misinterpreted and misapplied the invitation. And so they begged out of the invitation and said, I'm sorry, we can't make it. And so God's response was, I'm not going to cancel the party. I'm just going to invite everybody else to the party. I'm going to invite the people to the party that you don't think ought to be invited to the party. I'm going to invite the people that don't feel like they're worthy to be invited to the party. In a, in a modern context, I think of it as like, you know, if I say the word church people, you kind of get a visual of who that is. You may think of yourself, but I mean, you kind of, you know, like if I say, well, the church is for church people, you're kind of like, well, the church is for people that maybe, you know, have it put together or at least pretend like they have it put together or better hiding it than other people or the church is for people of a certain economic class or the church is for people of a social social class or whatever. And Jesus is saying, no, the church is for every, I'm inviting everybody, throw open the doors, I don't care. I, and this is, 
I call this, you know, kind of the great reversal because Jesus is reversing. There was, in their society, there was stratus levels of uh, worthiness, right? You see this through the Pharisees. The Pharisees were at the top because they were the most obedient. They were the most righteous. They followed the rules better than anybody else. And then there might have been another group, maybe another group, maybe another group. And Jesus is saying, no, get away with all of that. I'm reversing all of that. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Um, this is not the way my kingdom works. And he's destroying all the barriers that prevent people from participating in the community of God. That's why the subtitle of this series is The Radical Invitation of Jesus. Because Jesus is saying, I am far more inclusive than, uh, than any, any of the religious structures that you have set up. And I want to break down the social barriers and the economic barriers and the racial barriers and the cultural barriers and um, maybe even the political barriers. Like whatever barriers exist that prevent us from people, whatever barriers exist that prevent people from being welcome in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, I'm throwing the doors open, and it's for everybody. I, everybody is welcome. Uh, it's, it's the, the downcast, uh, the, the social outcast, the pe- uh, everybody is welcome. Everybody has an invitation at my table. That's been the theme going through every single story, is that everyone is included in the kingdom of God, because God throws open the doors and invites everyone to come to the table. 